and welcome to Impact Ed. I'm H.D. Chambers, the Superintendent of Schools for Ailey ISD, and thank you for joining us today. As usual, we are uh, recording this podcast uh, in the attempt uh, to open and continue to keep lines of communication open between ALEAF and the community, the staff, parents, and whoever else out there in podcast land listens to us. Today's topic is something that's been on everyone's mind. It never really leaves our minds, but there, every once in a while something occurs that puts it front and center again. Uh, we're here to talk uh, safety and security today of our of our schools, and then specifically safety and security of our students and our staff. We have three gentlemen joining us today that that play extremely critical roles in providing safety and security measures for our our school system for Ailey ISD. And we'll let these these gentlemen introduce themselves in one second. But I want everyone to to be aware that today's discussion and conversation is not only about how do we keep and provide safe and secure schools for students and staff, but it's also to, to have a conversation about what goes on into those decisions that we make. In some cases, we are at liberty to talk about. And then in some cases, there are things that we are not at liberty to talk about, purely because these are extremely sensitive security issues that, quite frankly, we, we prefer that they not be known by the general public. You're not going to hear us talk about certain things in great detail because of that. But I do believe, uh, particularly if you're a parent, or if you're a teacher, I think you're, you're going to find this conversation interesting and, and, and hopefully comforting, knowing a little bit more about the way in which we try to provide safe and secure schools in our school district, perhaps more than you did before you listened to this. So with that, I'm going to ask our gentlemen to introduce themselves, and then we will get into the conversation. So Chief Turner, if you don't mind introducing yourself. Sure. I'm Dan Turner, and I'm the Chief of Police of the Aleaf Independent School District Police Department. And Dan has a lot of experience. He's not hes not going to tell you, but he's been doing this a long time, both in the school system and with the Houston Police Department. So uh, Dan's been an integral part of this district for a long time. Jeremy Foster, Safety and Security Manager. Jeremy is new on the on the scene. He's been, a, he's been in the district quite a while as an employee, uh, but he has most recently been assigned to the position of emergency and security safety and security kind of manager, coordinator, and he'll, you'll hear more from him in a little bit about what his key roles are and what he's doing to provide safe and secure schools. Last but not least, Charles. Charles Woods, Deputy Superintendent of Business Services. I've been with the district for right at 29 years, and this is my 35th year in education. And much like Chief Turner, uh, Mr. Woods has been in Ailey for a long time, and he is he has been a significant contributing factor to the safety and security needs of our district and among other responsibilities that he has. But Charles, let's start this conversation maybe just giving and remembering who our audience is, giving them a little history about what ALEAF has done in the not just the recent past, but going back many years in terms of trying to provide a safe and secure environment for, for kids and, and schools. Well, ALEAF, since I've joined uh, the district, Back in 1989, we had a police department internal to the school district then. Aleaf was a little more rural and not as urban as it is. And at that time, I think we had just over a dozen officers on staff, some at the high schools and some at the middle schools and then some patrol officers. But ever since then and, and just before then when it was formed, our police department in providing safety and security for the schools was monitoring burglar alarms on our buildings and facilities and doing patrols 
for 24-7 operation with a dispatcher. And since that time, we've added a considerable amount of staff to that function, as well as things have changed in, in education. The size, of course, we've We've almost doubled size since then, since the late 80s, early 90s. And technology has changed quite a bit, too. We have a a larger school district as far as the number of facilities to monitor. And we're bigger than most small Texas towns when you look at the number of students and the number of staff that that report to school every day. We're we're somewhere just shy of 50,000 human beings coming to to join together to, to do something every weekday and sometimes into the night with uh, special events and coverage. So safety and security has always been forefront for ALEAF. Um, just to give you some kind of some idea of, of what it costs to operate safety and security in the school district, our budget in, the, in, the, in that area is just shy of $6 million a year. And, uh, to pay for staff and contracted services, and we've got links into all the major criminal databases and and entities like DPS and Homeland Security, and we have interactions going on constantly through technology uh, with cybercrime and everything else that's occurring. It's a it's a twenty four seven operation to monitor all the potential problems. But not, but not only that, just the, the monitoring the facilities, their safety, whether or not there's buildings are secure. Uh, and so over the years, we've had a number of huge investments to further that technology. In the late 90s, we put computers in every classroom. We also put telephones in every pod, at least, of every classroom building. Just recently now, you know, the state of Texas says you got to put a phone that has 911 capability in every classroom. Well, we've been doing that for over 10 years. But even before that, we had phones accessible throughout buildings because it was a, we saw it as a necessity just to communicate to, to parents, much less to, to 911. The tragedies that came around with, you know, being a Columbine first – uh, was one big one. Um, this district spent a considerable sum to to add additional monitoring of ca- our campuses. You know, and we've got just to throw round numbers at it. Our police department and, and system monitors over three thousand CCTV cameras with recording. And it's safe to say that there's not a whole lot of places you can go inside of a building besides you know, those safety areas where you need to have privacy that aren't monitored just for safety purposes. And as well, we've got uh, a very extensive radio system that we've operated over 30 years now. All of our school buses have an access to a radio in our police department, police vehicles, and campus officers and, and secondary schools all have those radios and can communicate to each other. That's, that's a another couple million dollar investment that we have to we have to update as well as we're now at 36 police vehicles that number's grown doubled since in, in the last 20 years and those vehicles are in operation every day and and 
lots of hours, not necessarily lots of miles, but lots of hours. And those uh, vehicles are, are ongoing replacement cycle that's necessary to maintain. Post Columbine, we added some camera, mobile camera trailers you might have seen sitting in parking lots occasionally. That's where we need extra uh, video coverage. Those record video and uh, they can be accessed remotely by the police department. And um, throughout the years, we've added a considerable amount of fencing uh, between buildings and our outbuildings, our portable buildings, and our and our addition, classroom additions. Post Sandy Hook, we did that uh, after that tragedy. We spent the district spent just over five million dollars on adding additional cameras, and we put in. Um, uh, card access locks. We put in locks that allow classrooms to lock doors from the inside for safety. And then the fencing between those portables and those and those main buildings to try and provide safety traversing back and forth, especially on our elementary campuses. And, and that's an ongoing maintenance issue as well. The building is, is a, the hub of the community. It's elementary, uh, especially with playgrounds that are used on the weekends and neighborhood kids and kids that go to school. And so it's it's a delicate balance to have a school be a center of hub of activity, be a safe environment 24-7, as well as not make it look like a, a prison-style facility right. with with big iron fences and so forth and be off out of access of kids off hours. Then we... Um, in our last few bond referendums, we've added a considerable amount. Uh, in our 2015 bond referendum, we installed vestibules inside the front main entrance with with mechanisms to allow people to buzz in and out and so forth, and and panic buttons and alarms. And these were all things that that we were doing in relation to things that had happened in the past, but now it's more of a a recommended requirement for school districts to, to do that we've been kind of hopefully keeping up with, if not trying to stay ahead of of where the technology can help our police department uh, monitors the safety that's going on in the buildings. So uh, in the 2015 bond referendum, we spent just over $12 million. And then on our 2021 bond referendum, again, we went back and looked at safety and We've got earmarked another just under $40 million to secure libraries and cafeterias and open areas in the building and secure meaning, you know, having some walls in place and, and give some safe space to those open areas that had been more open and, and wide open to a front door and a person on campus that's not supposed to be there. So uh, we've added expanding the police department and and video intercom systems that are coming to the front doors of buildings uh, and more cross-corridor doorways that lock automatically and stay locked. And so um, this is all in in an ongoing effort to make layers of security to those buildings, but but still make them functional, keep them functional as a school building should be and, and is open as much to kids and and their ability to to get where they need to get right that's always classes. that's always been the 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 balance, the delicate balance is trying to schools are open welcoming unalarming to people but at the same time they're 
security fortresses and and sometimes you you kind of you it's it's a it's a delicate balance chief you've been doing this a long time from the law enforcement side charles just kind of went through a a laundry list of investments this community and district has made over the the last two or three decades with what happened in uvalde and and i don't know if it's unfortunate it's just a reality of life that it tends to take tragic events to wake people up every once in a while and charles mentioned columbine there were school shootings prior to Columbine, you know, and there there have been school shootings since Uvalde. Typically, as part of human nature, we tend to react to, to the most recent issue, tragedy, as it relates to this topic. Talk a little bit about, from your perspective, what, what is going on now? What do you see as the, the types of, I guess, the types of things that you feel good about from a police perspective in terms of safety and security? Not only just for A-Leaf, but just in, in general. Well, in in total general, life situations have changed, and we have to change with those life situations. So as a police officer, especially in a school district, traditional policing is enforcement. Your day-to-day duties is to go out and make reports, write tickets, and make arrests and file charges. In a school district setting, we're not in the enforcement mode. We're in the proactive mode and intervention. So we come into a school setting and we work well with students and staff. We're not there to write children citations to hinder the parents having to pay tickets. We're not there to file charges on them. We're there to help the staff guide them and maintain them with great activities every day, like you want kids to come to school and have a good time. Mm -hmm. And to help do that, we have to have safety procedures in place. And uh, I've been at ALEAF almost 30 years, and we've always had good safety procedures in place. And as Charles mentioned, we have grown dramatically. Like, I have over 45 officers now. And in the backbone of most police departments, their patrol division is the backbone of the police department. In a school district setting, the campus officers who work with the campuses are the backbone. So we identify what the needs are on campuses, and that's how we determine the number of police officers or the number of security uh, interventionists or whatever that needs to be on these campuses. Uh, we have very large high schools. In order to maintain a safety environment in those high schools for everyone, uh, we've added additional officers. And uh, several years ago, we added uh, canine officers with vapor dogs to the campuses. And uh, those officers work well. Those dogs are not mean. They're there to identify illegal contraband. And that's the reason we put them in there because we don't need contraband in our schools. We just don't need that. So we have the type of cameras and and kids talking to us and the police officers always being available to talk to kids and to be in a proactive mode with them. We also monitor the doors. We look at the cameras, see what's going on. Uh, The officers are part of all activities on campus Uh, They're part of all activities uh, after school. And the most important thing is, is the same officers show up at the same schools every day. So the students are familiar with the officers. 
So we don't have any kids to come in our schools and have to be afraid of the police officer or what the officer's going to do. The officer is always there to be an impact, a positive impact for students while they're there. But also, they're there for protection if protection is needed. And uh, our officers come from all walks of life. Uh, several of them have retired from different organizations and have come to ALEAF as their second career. And they're interested in working in the school district. Everybody who wants to be a police officer does not make a good school district police officer. You have to be community-minded, and you have to represent the entire ALEF ISD and just not a particular location. So uh, we do enforce laws, and if there's a problem on our school, we are there. We will react, and we will take whatever actions is necessary to always keep a campus safe. One, one of the observations that I've, that I've made since I've been here in, in my role is that, and for parents, I think parents would, would, would appreciate this because what's on parents' minds right now are kind of what went down in, in Uvalde. And, and every parent in the, in the United States of America is wondering about their own school district or their, their kids' own school. And one of the things that, that I have observed in ALEAF with our police department and the way in which we approach safety and security is we want students to be comfortable with law enforcement. We don't want them to be scared of them. We don't want them to be fearful of them. We don't want them to be in, intimidated by them so that if something bad were to happen, most kids know about it. They, they, have, an, they have an idea of what's going on. Yes. Particularly older ones, and we have a uh, and, and tremendous amount of credit to you and your and your department and your officers because they have they have developed relationships and trust with students that are so that are so strong that students will come up and tell that officer, "Hey, so and so is getting ready to do this, or so and so this is happening, or I heard this, or over or on social media, this was on social media today." Effective, proactive ways of dealing with potentially stopping bad things from happening in schools in large part, can be prevented with just that simple relationship that's been built. I, I want parents and community members that are listening to this to, to know that uh, this district works really hard. It's very intentional. It's a very intentional thing so that the eyes and the ears, as Charles mentioned, we got 50,000 sets of eyes and ears and, and people paying attention, and it's really hard to get away with things or it's really hard to plan things without somebody knowing and if that person who knows is willing to talk and let us know, that's how bad things are prevented from happening. I like to say that they're they're not security guards, they're not school resource officers. They are police officers. They're licensed police officers. It's a it's an operating police department recognized in the state of Texas and has been since its formation. They have accountability to the state of Texas and to the justice system, but at the same time, they don't police the kids they're there to protect the kids right yeah that's that's a good way of, of putting it and we have kids with the students we have police officers on lots of campuses it's not just the high schools we we take care of the elementary campuses we have a force of officers that do nothing but visit the elementary campuses and they visit the staff and the students we have officers assigned to middle schools 
to our support facilities and uh, to our alternative center. So we have enough officers spread out all over the place that uh, we can ensure a safety environment. And the next thing I can assure you is that as the chief of police, I am in charge. Yep. And that means something these days. It means something. Jeremy, let's talk to Jeremy. Jeremy hey guys. is uh, kind of, like I said earlier, he's new to his role. He's not new to safety and security, but he's new to his, his role. You know, we just had a conversation a little bit about police, about law enforcement right. and their role. Jeremy, talk a little bit about what, what you're attempting to do in your role uh, as it relates to everyone else who's not in law enforcement and, right. working, and working with law enforcement. So my position is uh, under risk management. Which means managing risk, right? Yeah, so I look at, <laughs> I do risk assessments. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, what I inherited was a really great risk management team because what the state wants us to do, all the requirements, they've been doing it for a long time. So it kind of made my job easier. So I just wanted to always give them a shout out for all their hard work, you know, and they continue to do that. Even though I've taken on this role, they still support me. My role is basically emergency management and anything that deals with safety and security. So I'm kind of like a support for principals, staff members, and students that go around. And I I just try to keep it simple. I say increase awareness and preparedness. And we do that in various ways with, with training staff and, and, and trickling it down into the students. Um, I've been in safety and security for probably since 1993. And I was part of a... a uh, anti-violence program called Counter Tactics, and it was uh, developed by a guy who was a world champion kickboxer named Bob Thunder Derman. And uh, unfortunately, he had a tragic event in his life where his, his wife was accosted in a parking lot, and she was assaulted and robbed and shot in the head at point blank range. Now she survived the, the incident and everything, but uh, it kind of changed everything. And I, what I've noticed that people that have these horrible tragedies happen to him. You know they. They want to do something positive about it. And uh, he created this program called Counter Tactics. And one of the things they did is they they trained people in active shooter events. So when Sandy Hook happened about 10 years ago, I wanted to do my part because my kids attended A-Leaf. I was the A-Leaf alumni myself and my family. And my wife worked in the district. So I wanted to do my part, and I reached out to you. And you hooked me up with Charles. And Charles kind of liked what I had to say, and... And gave me a chance to get with Chief, and and uh, we presented to all the high schools first, and then the Chief and his wife asked me if I could go ahead and start, you know, doing maybe professional developments. And after the last ten years, I've been trying to just stay involved with the safety and security community in Texas, and try to pass on what they, the, you know, what Texas School Safety Center's been doing, and pass that knowledge on to the staff. And I've probably trained at least a thousand employees through all the programs for the last decade and i think that's kind of what led me into this role but as far as emergency management is concerned i actually had this funny story i I had a meeting this morning with all the surrounding school district uh, people that have roles like me and this guy comes up to me he goes hey i want to show you something and he flexes his bicep, you know, and I'm like, oh, that's impressive. But then I look really close and it has a tattoo of A-Leaf on his right bicep, you know. <laughs> and I said, oh, you're a SWAT kid. <laughs> and SWAT is what we refer ourselves right. as Southwest A-Leaf, Texas. Right, you know, right. so he's a SWAT kid. But he actually works for the Office of Emergency Management in uh, Houston. <laughs> so, yeah, we started hit it off really well. 
So that's a good way to start it. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, it's just you know, we collaborate, we talk about our roles and what we can do to improve it, and it's a, it's a good opportunity for us to share ideas. I know on people's minds right now, when you mention school safety and security, people are they their brains tend to go to school shooters because that's been a uh, for rightfully so, and it, it, that's where it goes. But I think we also need to remind people that there are other school safety matters that that all three of you and, and school systems deal with. You know, that title, safety and security coordinator, manager, that's a, that's a lot. There's, a, there's a lot that goes lot. underneath that. Ice. Yeah, you got weather. Hurricanes. Yeah, you got hurricanes, tornadoes. ice, tornadoes, weather, yeah, weather events. It's really long. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> list gets, so gets, you know. And, and it gets longer. Yeah. Uh, again, I know Chief's been doing this for a long, long time on the law side, on the law enforcement side. But for people that aren't in law enforcement attempting to to put plans together, where do you draw your resources from, Jeremy? I mean, where did where does where does Fortunately the state, you know, has that Texas School Safety Center and they've done a really good job. I think there's one of their sole missions is to just be able to train people like me and staff within the, the all the school districts in Texas on how to deal with different types of emergency and they basically lay out the template for us all the training programs and i've just been going and attending those programs and then taking what they teach me and pass it on to the to our school district and yeah we we'd experienced almost about just about everything i think in the last 30 years mm-hmm. uh, we hadn't had a pandemic but now we've had that too <laughs> right right yep and, and the one of the things is just going back to the a leaf strong thing is like like when we went through Harvey, it was just, a, and I've lived in this community all my life, pretty much. I grew up here. And just to see how resilient we are as a community and how we pull together in tough times and help each other out. And, and to me, from what I've learned and what I believe so far is that that's what safety is really about, is just people taking care of each other, looking out for each other. And that's the way I try to to approach people as a, as a support. If you need something, I'm here to help you get through this. I don't have all the answers but we'll figure it out. Yeah, he said something yesterday I, I think was pretty profound, but I don't know if he realized he said it. But he, Probably not. <laughs> it was that uh, a lot of his job is to con- continually keep it top of mind for people that, that safety things, related events could occur, and to for them to have talked about it and at least learned about it ahead of time, thought about it so that when something does happen, they have the confidence to react appropriately and do, do something about it and fix the situation that they're in. And we've had that happen, like setting up shelters and and reacting to uh, getting people food and water and, and vaccinations and right. all kinds of situations. Uh, getting out of freeze, power loss, uh, tornadoes and hurricanes and so forth. But to constantly remind people of all those situations that we continually to to drill and remain vigilant. And by that, people become more confident with when it comes, we we know what to do. You know, it's not, it's not necessarily, it's just written down, but people have talked about it and they've, they've, enacted it in their in their head whether it's tabletop or or they've they've been through it with each other in a in a mock setting talking through what would happen if this happened and that happened and and it, it involves everybody yes sir it sure does it's, it affects all of us and that's one of the things charles when i met with him 10 years ago that's really kind of 
I remember him saying is that everybody has to do their part, you know, and that really stuck with me. He says government has to do their part, law enforcement, everybody has to do it. We're all in this together right. as, a, as a community, as a school, campus, everybody. And if we, you know, practice, prepare, and we become more resilient, because we don't know an emergency is going to happen. They just happen when they happen. But that confidence is that, hey, we we, got, we build that community, that family kind of support yeah. structure so when something bad happens and we show up i'm like chief what do you need you know and, and everybody gets gets the job done and when it's finished we can all say look we did it we right. made it again the thing that seems to be on everyone's minds is the is the shooting and to the extent you can can you talk a little bit about how you have seen and worked with other entities and agencies so a lot of the criticism that went that's going on out in uvalde was lack of Lack of continuity, for lack of a better word, lack of cooperation, one hand not knowing what the other hand's doing. And I know when I started this, I prefaced there are some things we can talk about and some things we can't. But I think it'd be interesting for people to know what goes into these building these relationships so that when things happen, that, that we've got multiple law enforcement agencies and leaders of those agencies, one phone call away, one text message away, one radio click away. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I've been I've been doing policing for a little over fifty years now, and uh, my experience came from the Houston Police Department. And for fifteen years, I was a spokesperson for the police department, and I made many scenes and I seen many different incidents. And no incident or any actions is ever going to be the same. Uh, not pointing the finger at what went on in Uvalde. Uh, I can only talk about what I would do in A-Leaf. And in A-Leaf, uh, as I have told uh, you, the superintendent, and Charles, the deputy superintendent, and the school board, is we will go in. That's our duties. We practice that. My staff is quite aware of that. We have the experience to do so. And we work well with... Uh, other law enforcement agencies in the area, especially when you retire from one of those areas, uh, you know everybody and everybody work together. So we all use the same radio system. We're just on different channels. We're all licensed by the state of Texas, and we're all here for a purpose, and that's to keep things safe and to save lives. Any incident that will occur on Lely FISD property, like it did in Uvalde, I will tell you that I'm in charge. We have a team, and we're going in. Now, we will call HPD for support, but we're not going to wait on HPD. We will call Harris County Sheriff's Department for support, but we're not waiting. We're trained. We are weaponized, and we will be extremely proactive on the situation. In Uvalde, I don't point any fingers at fault. We're all grown adults, whether we're police officers or not. When you have parents there that's screaming and upset, you have staff, you have students, it's a hectic situation, and you have to have decision makers there that will make decisions at that time. We can all come back and critique it later, and everybody can have a reason why you didn't do this or why you didn't do that. But in A-Leaf, our reason is going to be that we went in and we did the best that we could 
at the time that it happened. And I, and I think as most community members and parents in particular, I think that's what they expect out of out of a school system, whether it's the police department as a part of what we're talking about or any other environment where when a mom and dad put their child on a bus or drop them off at school, the last thing on their mind should be whether they're going to come home or come home safely. And by having this conversation for the A-Leaf community, I'm hoping that they, they're not only are they hearing from some of the people, not all, but some of the people that lead our response to that responsibility, uh, but they get a little inside glimpse about our mindset and our approach. The training that, that you guys have gone through, particularly, obviously, in law enforcement and Jeremy, just in your in your experience, the training that y'all have gone through, it's not one of those things we publicize. We don't publicize it. And there's a reason why, why we don't publicize it. And there's a reason we're not talking too much in detail about it now. There is a significant amount of preparation and training that goes into this. And I think that's why a lot of people were disappointed in what happened. Because everybody knows the training that took place. This scenario or this kind of scenario has been has been prepared for. Well, uh, A-Leaf was home to me prior to me being employed by A-Leaf. I had three daughters that started their their school career here and have graduated and two of them are teachers that came back and they taught here prior to doing other things in their life so I was a part of the Ailey family before I became a, a police employee here so I've seen the school district grow I've seen what it grow into and one of the things that I always noticed about Ailey School District was it was always a safe environment. The schools were always safe. And anything that you heard about A-Leaf, they said, oh, you work for the A-Leaf School District. Uh, there's nothing but crooks and gang members out there. Well, no, that's not so. Things that happen in the neighborhood is away from A-Leaf. Uh, the media associates it with A-Leaf, but it's not the A-Leaf School District. Right. Yeah. I've been in the community for a long time, grew up here and seen it change and develop, but I totally agree with what Chief just said. It's, the school district is, is really evolved into, I mean, even the, this building we're in, uh, it's just it's amazing, you know, the opportunities that we give these kids here. And I think we've really invested in one of the things that can really secure our futures. It's our kids, it's all about the kids. Mm-hmm. And as a leader, you've really done a really good job at of doing that, you know, so my hat's off to you as a parent for doing that because, you know, my daughter attends these schools. And it's funny, as I walked in here, um, I saw my shop teacher from from the late <laughs> 80s. He's still here, and I had to go in there. I go, I just want to check and make sure you have all your fingers. <laughs> and he goes, who are you? I said, I used to be one of your students. Yes. Yeah. So Mr. Fraze, he's been in the district like mm-hmm. 40 plus years, yeah. And yeah. He, he didn't remember me, but... He's like, well, it's good to see that you got a good position in the district, you know. But you know, there's there, there's a lot that happens in crime or or safety uh, related incidents. But you know, Jeremy did that training where he was training staff on self defense and awareness of your surroundings. And and anytime you're around other people, you know, you could be vulnerable based on just don't walk out there blindly like. Magically, the whole world's going to take care of you because that's not necessarily the case. Now, if something does happen, police and appropriate personnel can take care of it. But part of what everybody's talked about is 
trying to prevent those things from happening in the first place? What are measures we can continually change and make better to try and prevent it? But should something like that tragically happen, then people have talked about it and are aware. And that's the other thing is, you know, you can't say you're not going to get your car broken into somewhere. You know, that could happen tomorrow. That could happen right right now. But that could happen down the street, too, going into the HEB. It could happen anywhere in a metropolitan area. There are people thinking about how to prevent that from happening and what are the things we can do to make it visible that, you know, we're, we're not just sitting blindly here waiting for it to happen right. to us. One, one of the signs that a good, you know, when, when people hear about something happening in the school, we, they, uh, they may have found a weapon in a car or they found, you know, someone brought contraband into a school. Nine times out of ten, the fact that you're having that happen is a result of a sound security system because you're actually finding it. Yes. I'm always I'm always a little weary of reports that say, well, you know what? We went an entire school year and nobody did anything wrong in this school. Nobody brought anything to this school. In the back of your mind, you're going, yeah, either um, <laughs> chances are you're wrong. And chances are you weren't looking or there wasn't enough of a confidence or comfort level with staff and students that was willing to, to share, you know, you see something, say something, do something kind of kind of thing. And that, that uh, going back to something we talked about earlier, I've always been really proud of this school district that the, that those were involved and responsible for law enforcement and providing safety and security has built these relationships because I'd much rather know about these incidences and these situations because someone told than I would not to know. And I know that, you know, some sometimes people get, get you know, oh my God, I can't believe they did this or there's this happened or they found this. Well, be glad that we did because the fact that people are willing to talk about it. Students, as you know, Chief, students police their own school. Yes, yes they do. The best policing going on in schools are done by other, by, by students. And our kids seem to take that role pretty pretty seriously. Well, the kids know that if there's an incident on one of our high schools and it gets out of control, we see the media reports coming out and goes, you know, A-Leaf police is going to have 10 officers sitting in this school all day tomorrow. (laughs) They're going to lock us down. We're not going to be able to do anything. So why would y'all do things like this? So we got a lot of good kids here. Oh, man, yeah. And they don't want to be locked down. They want to have their freedom. They want to enjoy growing up in school. And they're, they're our best advocates. Right. So, something we haven't talked much about, and, and I, I know this is not your any of our, quote-unquote, our area of expertise, but a lot of attention has been given to mental health, mental wellness, and, and trying to identify what are, what are the characteristics or what are the behaviors of students who might carry out you know these tragic types of, of, of offenses. And and I think it's important to for parents in the community to know and the staff to know that not only on the law enforcement or the safety security side, there's a lot of cooperation and coordination going on with our counseling side. And uh, Dr. Baldwin has been on Impact Ed several times and counselors and our mental health and wellness experts. Have, I don't know if you guys, what your, what your take on that is or what your thoughts on that is, but going back to the comment made, this is everybody's responsibility. This is not just one group's responsibility. The amount of work and time that we've put into 
trying to help provide some help and relief to people who are going through difficult times and difficult situations or us identifying them before if they're not willing to self-identify and seek help. Well, from a police standpoint, we've been dealing with mentally ill people for years. Uh, It has come to the forefront like a lot of other things have come. So it's all about more and more training. So everybody now is phasing into we need to train everybody how to identify and deal with people who may have mental illness. So stress can cause what you would identify as mental illness. A problem that occurs at home that comes to school can turn out to be mental illness. So what we see is training the school staff and the administrators and having good counselors. It become a team action. So we all work together to identify the teachers. Johnny is not his usual self today. Mm-hmm. Well, we just don't say, well, that's just Johnny. Right. Uh, if Johnny's not his usual self, somebody's going to talk to Johnny and ask Johnny what the problem is. And uh, that's working quite well with us. Uh, there's uh, help from the city and the county. And uh, we utilize all of that help to help one another. It's what it comes down to because we just can't do it by ourselves. Right. And we've got community in schools. Part We've got partners. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing I'd say is that uh, unlike a lot of places, I think the, not only the staff but the students themselves are, are very compassionate towards each other. In other words, by this melting pot of all these different cultures, there's a lot of, uh, of understanding about between each other what what's, might be hurting somebody is not – not something I want to engage in because generally speaking, most everybody loves the fact that it's so diverse, that it's that many different cultures coming together with lots of problems. I mean, yeah. none of us are are immune to having problems right. and how you deal with it. And so I think our kids know that they can go to just about anybody with about any kind of problem and it's not going to be a retribution and a and a punishment and a ticket or a but it's like you can trust and talk to your teacher you can trust and talk to a hall monitor you can talk to community and schools or counselors or or the principal or the police officer yeah and you don't have to keep it a secret uh, you know it it was back years ago nobody wanted to identify that a family member had mental illness so it was kind of just put back in the house. People stayed in the house, and that's where you stand. So now we have treatments. We understand the impact, and uh, we work toward a means to the end besides just sending a student home and say, it's the parent's problem now. Right. You're exactly right. That there, If there's been one significant fundamental shift in the role of schools in the last decade, it's been the, the mental health component of it. Yeah, and I know, I'm sure Charles remembers, Dan, you may remember, I don't, we had a gentleman who wrote a book that schools, the name of the book is Schools Cannot Do It Alone. Yes. And he did, a, he showed a little, a decade by decade, going all the way back to the early 1800s, whenever our country was just being founded and, and the school system was being developed in, on this each decade would have be little bullets of these are the things the schools are responsible for. 
In the early 1800s, it was two or three bullets. That was it. Yes. And you just progressed over the next 150, 175, 200 years. And, and uh, that list is long. Well, the one thing that has really turned, that's been added to that list perhaps more significantly than anything else, has been dealing with the social and emotional well-being of children and of staff. And it's another layer of, of training, as you mentioned earlier. And it's another layer of, of uh, quite frankly, without the res- the money, the finances, resources to hire the kinds of people and the quantity of those people to deal with a small town or a large town like ourselves. We're going to wrap this up. I, I don't know if there's anything that you'd like to leave, any one of you three guys want to leave before we wrap up, but I won't. I want to give you a chance if there's anything that you'd like to share as we wrap this up. From a police officer perspective, I would like to offer my department's assistance to any family member that has a concern that involves ALEAF ISD to please contact us. It don't have to be the police department. Just contact us, and we have enough resources to assist those families, and if we don't, we have the referrals that we can refer those parents out to get them help for their for their children. Because what we want is the kids to come to school. Yep. So we need the kids to come to school, and you know we feed kids, we give them medical assistance. So we want to give them the parents' assistance to have an outlet to talk. And if they call me, I'll talk to them. That's the truth. <laughs> Jeremy, do you have anything you want to share? I just, as a parent, you know, with kids in ALEF ISD, I just want to say to other parents and people that have their children attending ALEF schools that I'm really confident in, in our schools as some of the, one of the safest schools in the, in the of all the districts in Texas because I, I collaborate with other districts and I always am amazed of how far ahead we are as far, in terms of safety and security and what we have and been doing even before it's a requirement, you know, so. Well, good. I, I, I like hearing that from, <laughs> from your parent, wearing your parent hat. <laughs> okay, I'll take that off. Shroids? <laughs> I, I would just say that um, from my experience, there's very few entities that has the connections that this school district does with all the other entities of assistance, whether it be from a law enforcement standpoint uh, all the way to the federal level to counseling and community services that can help all facets like Dan said, uh, like Chief said, that we've honed that over the years and treasured that those relationships with the county, the city, the state, the the nonprofits, the the faith-based groups and, and people in the community that do something well Right. And we can refer them. So um, this this district is like no other. It is. It is. I'll I'll wrap it up and I'll I'll I'll, I'll say this about it. We're we we spent the better part of forty forty five minutes talking about what we have done, what we're trying to do, what we uh, what we pay attention to, and with all of that, uh, we we would all admit that we don't have every single base covered. There there's there's blind spots. There's errors in judgment sometimes there's there's all these things that 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 could possibly go wrong i agree with all three of you in the sense that as it relates to being prepared there is no organization that's out preparing us 
There may be others who are preparing just as hard as we are, but they're not out preparing us. And they're not out thinking about it. They're, 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 not, they're, not, they're not out thinking us when we, when we start thinking about how do we make sure something as tragic as a school shooting or something as minor as making sure students get to school. I mean, I mean, and all, all things in between, not that that's minor. One of the ways as a superintendent, I've always I've felt some level of comfort in knowing that what we were doing was having a positive impact was every year I have a student advisory committee and it's high school students. And every year I would, one of the questions I would ask them is, do you feel safe? A simple question. When you go to school today, do you feel safe? In 12 years of being here, I have never had a student tell me they did not feel safe when they went to school, ever. And they would have. They were not, and we, and then we would talk at length about why they felt the way they felt. And I always took those responses from those kids and the comments that came after that response or that answer to the question as a sign that what Chief, you and your law enforcement department has been doing is working what Mr. Woods and, and the board and the district has been doing in terms of trying to provide safe harbor for these for these students. Jeremy, what you I don't know you not you personally, but people like yourself who were in the district providing some type of service to our staff, it told me that it was it was working. Because feeling safe is as in some cases is as important as being safe and being safe is going to allow you to feel safe to the community and to parents and to, to staff members. I hope every day when you wake up and you come to work and students, when you get up and you get on the bus or you drive or you walk or whatever, you, your parents drop you off, whatever, whatever you get here. I hope that you feel safe when you walk in our school doors. And by having, listening to this conversation, I hope you know why you feel safe. Some of the things that have occurred that people are doing every day that you don't see, you're not aware of, but they're doing every day to make sure that you feel safe. And uh, fully knowing we can always improve and we will continue improving. Uh, I hope people learned a little bit out of this conversation and have a, a better sense or better feel for what, when we talk about safety and security in Ailey FISD, this is what we're talking about. This is what we mean. So, gentlemen, thank you not only for doing this today, but thank you for what you have done and will continue to do to provide safe and secure environment for the, the adults in Ailey FISD and the students of Ailey FISD. It is appreciated. So this has been Impact Ed. I'm H.D. Chambers. I'm the superintendent, and I'll talk to you soon. This has been an AMP production.